Cool. Well, today I get to do the very first message of Advent. I love Christmas. I love the Advent season. And I am speaking on the topic of Tumanako, hope. And Lily did a wonderful job of doing the reading for today. And I'm just going to read it again so it's fresh in our minds as we look into this. So this is from Isaiah. It's a prophecy from Isaiah 9, 2 to 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen. So just before I speak into hope, I'm just going to do a little bit of introduction to Advent. And we had a little video that we're going to replay this year like we did last year. It's, I think it's two minutes or something, talking about what Advent is. So, Cool, I like that one. So Advent is relatively new to me. I knew about Advent calendars when I was growing up, but I didn't grow up in the kind of mainstream, traditional, traditional church. I grew up in the evangelical charismatic branch of church my entire life. So stuff that people do in the traditional churches always was very unknown and foreign to me if I ever went to church with a friend or something. And the charismatic evangelical church, what does that mean? When I was a teenager, I remember um, friends, parents may ask me if they found out I went to church, you know, what church do you go to? And I'd tell them what church I went to. And they'd say to me, oh, what kind of church is that? And I used to think, what do they mean? It's a church. <laughs> what kind of church? What does that mean? And then they'd prompt me, is it Anglican? Is it a Presbyterian church, a Methodist church? And I said, oh, no, it's none of those. And they'd say, oh, is it a Pentecostal church, an evangelical church, a charismatic church? I didn't know what any, any of that meant. But now I know this kind of funky kind of, wild cousin part that we play as a church in the big church is called the Evangelical Charismatic Church. This is the kind of flavor that we play. And in our flavor of church, in the big church, we don't kind of traditionally navigate the seasons like the mainstream churches do. We have stuff that pops up for us, like basically Christmas and Easter, and it kind of pops up, we celebrate, and then it's done. 
and it's gone. And that's kind of our tradition. That's how we've kind of rolled. And there's some beautiful stuff that if you've noticed in our sort of stream, our neck of the woods of the church and the wider church, is we've kind of been blending lately over the last few years, you may have noticed, the beautiful stuff that we love, that's us, we love the way we worship, we love the kind of music that we have, don't we? We don't sing hymns. We like, you know, having multiple instruments and we're a bit noisy. We love the freedom of the Holy Spirit. We, we don't wear robes. You know, sometimes you see people up front there barefooted, no robes. At one time, I did consider wearing bare feet because I've made a mistake. I'm wearing kind of scuff shoes. And a couple of summers ago, I was doing something up front. I had jandals on, bad move if you're ever doing something up front, jandals. I was walking backwards and the jandal got hooked in the mat. <laughs> and then I was like, oh no, I'm going to KO in front of everyone. It's going to be a YouTube moment. I gathered myself and it was fine. And no one probably remembers because I covered up well. But, yeah, just for future reference, jandals are no good. Go the bare feet. And what the traditional practices of the wider church calendar uh, have that I think is really beautiful is that it helps us navigate life's highs and lows. It gives us space for that. Because as it goes through that calendar, I think I've got a picture, if um, you don't mind clicking that up, it goes through the year with giving us time to lament, time to celebrate, and the church calendar takes us through the life of Jesus throughout the year. So it helps us walk with Jesus day by day. And I thought this was quite a cool picture. This is actually one that St. Luke's Church, if you've heard of them, in Tauranga made. And if you see around the outside, it's quite beautiful. It's got the different seasons matching in with the wider church calendar with our seasons, you know, because in New Zealand, it's not summertime at Christmas, is it? No, no, it is. It's not wintertime, sorry. It's, it's summer. We don't have a white Christmas. <laughs> yeah, and also just a note, youth, I've got a new hand signal for you, you know, and all your youth photos there, you know, everyone's doing like different things with their hands. A new one for you, Nick told me, see this thing here Jesus is doing this, like this, like this? I didn't know this, a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So now, next, oh the Trinity, the Trinity, sorry. So next youth camp, guys, you can all be like, Trinity, <laughs> in all your photos. Yeah. <laughs> So the, the, the church calendar and the practices of the church calendar, the times and the seasons that go throughout the year have been in place for hundreds of years. And history has embraced um, this season, the season of Advent, as a sacred time of spiritual preparation. And for today, in 2023... I heard it put quite well that Advent is a calling for us to live in two places. So we have the shopping, the preparations for parties, the preparations for meals going on. That's the one place. But then we have the call of Advent to be preparing, to be waiting, to be pausing and remembering the real reason for the season. The eternal Jesus Christ 
taking on human flesh. And I think we can do both of these spaces well when we prioritise Jesus as the reason for the season. Unto us a child is given. And the reason we give gifts, the reason we're going out and shopping for gifts, we don't have to buy into all the materialism, but I think gifts are nice at Christmas because they are symbolic, aren't they, of the gift we've been given. Unto us a child is given. We've been given a great gift of Jesus. So this is why we give gifts at Christmas. It's symbolic. So this week we start Advent, and I am talking on hope today. And hope is my middle name, and the Tourisons have a hope, and the Barsleys have a Wyatt Tumanako. See the connection? (laughs) (laughs) And names are very meaningful, aren't they? In a lot of cultures... Uh, children are named after something significant that maybe has happened at that time or to remember something significant or maybe our names speak into something prophetic or they are to honour a family member or someone in our lives that our parents are wanting to honour. And I think hope has been a prophetic thing in my life. Thank you, Mum and Dad. And I know a lot of us, you know, we don't just choose names for our kids or when we name things, anything in our life that we're naming, maybe you've got a boat that you're named. We don't generally choose names just because they, you know, oh, that's a pretty name. We look at the meaning of names for things like our children, don't they? And they're significant. And I tend to be a naturally optimistic person. I look for the best in situations, the silver linings, and this can be very frustrating for Nick uh, often. Uh, One story, it it was Easter, uh, it was a number of years ago now, the kids were all in primary school, and we had been uh, on holiday in Rotorua, and we were travelling back, we had all our four kids in the car, and we had my nephew JP with us as well, and we were on the desert road, And someone the week before had hit me in the car, and so the car was in the mechanics getting panel beaten, and we had a courtesy car, and the the mechanic shop had said we could take the car on holiday with us. That was fine. But on our return trip home, it broke down on the desert road on a horrible spot, a narrow, narrow spot as well, so it was quite scary with all the chucks kind of coming around the corner, and there we are, broken down on the side of the road. Nick was very stressed. We are not mechanical at all, so we assumed maybe this has something to do with water. We thought it was full with water. So Nick went and found some, there was some trash, like an old drink bottle or something, and he went and found like some stream on the desert road and got water and put it in, nothing changed. So we thought we have to call a tow truck. So Nick was stressing about this because, you know, calling a tow truck on the desert road after you've been on holiday. (laughs) Not ideal, and our bank situation didn't think it was ideal either, but there's no other option. So we called the tow truck, and the kids thought it was incredible because the the truck guy said, you can stay in the car. And he pulled us up onto the back of the truck bed and towed us off the desert road. And Nick was just sitting in the front seat like, oh, 
this is the worst thing in the world, this is horrible. And all the kids were, woo, in the back. They were loving it. They're up high on the back of the truck in the car. They were having the time of their life. And then to Nick's irritation, I was saying to him, oh, darling, yes, this is horrible, but we're making core memories here. <laughs> look at the kids. Look at the kids. He wasn't buying it. He wasn't buying it at all. And I've gotten a bit better than now that I'll let him have his time. But there's always a place for an optimist in the room, I still think. <laughs> but biblical, thank you, Sam. I heard you. Yes, my optimistic fellow. Uh, right, back, back on track. So, I've lost my... So the biblical meaning of hope, though, is not just about being optimistic. It's not about wishful thinking. Like, I'm hoping that the All Blacks win at the Rugby World Cup final because we're all on camp together, and won't that be great? And I don't know what my husband will be like if we lose. <laughs> not that sort of a thing. Biblical hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised. And there's a man named Chan Hellman. A little bit of an unfortunate last name. But Chan Hellman, he is from University of Oklahoma in America. He is a quantitative psychologist. And he has been studying the science of hope, like, since the 80s, I think. And he's the founder of the Hope Research Center at the Oklahoma University there. He's written books, he's done TED Talks, he is well-versed on the conversation of hope. And he said that there's a couple of key components to having hope. So I just wanted to spend the rest of our um, conversation this morning looking at that. So there's four key components that he thinks are crucial to having hope in our lives. So number one, hope requires a vision. And he says, imagination is an instrument of hope. Visualizing. I had a great midwife uh, for some of my kids, and she told me, prepare for birth by visualizing how it's going to happen. Watch... <laughs> yeah. Watch some videos on YouTube of the, all the different transitions that the baby makes. Now, ladies, gentlemen, I didn't think, animated, I'm talking animated videos here, not real life, that wouldn't have prepared me well. Animated videos of the incredible kind of stages that a baby makes, because I don't know if you notice, they do all these little turns in different things as they come out, and our bodies are incredible the way God's designed us. I'm sorry, I'll move on. I've, I've lost everybody. I, I find it very fascinating. Thank you. Thank you. I, I won't do birth illustrations ever again. Okay, women's conferences, all right. But the point of that was, as she said, visualize that, because marathon runners elite marathon runners, they don't go and run a marathon blind. They don't go into the race that they've prepared for blind. They walk it first. 
So they know all the elevations in the road that is coming. They know the twists. They know the turns. They don't run the race blind. They know where they're starting. They know where it's finishing. So visualize where you're going is what she told me. And number two, your own desire. Hope. It has to be something that's your own desire. Nobody else can live it for you or have it for you or hold it for you. There's a little asterisk to that, though, which is connected to number four. Number three, nurture hope. Hope begets hope. And number four, hope is a social gift. So he says it does not happen in isolation within us. It happens in relationship with others and with something, or we would say someone, greater than ourselves. So I just wanted to look at these points a little bit more, asking the question, what does this look like for us with Jesus as our hope? So number one, hope requires a vision. I love the lights and the candles at Christmas. I kind of leave my Christmas lights up around my lounge all year round. They're white, so I feel like they camouflage a bit, so that's okay to leave them all year round because I love fairy lights. One year I put them all up down the hallway, but everyone thought it made the hallway a bit bright at night when they were trying to go to sleep, so we took that down. But I love lighting the candles. I love the lights. And the reason that we have lights is because they remind us that Jesus is the light of the world and he came to dispel the darkness. So Jesus is our vision. In Isaiah 9, 2-7, we just read this morning, um, but I'm just going to read a small section of it again. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And then it goes on to say, for unto us a child is born. God becoming incarnate. Jesus fully man, fully God. And there's nothing like this claim in any other religion. And John Stott, a great quote from him, he talks about when people met Jesus, people who knew him when Jesus was walking on earth as a man, they had three reactions to him. They either wanted to kill him, they thought he was nuts and they wanted to run away from him, or they fell down and worshipped him. And our great hope as Christians is that Jesus came, lived, and died and rose again, conquering sin and death. And in the Nicene Creed, which has our core beliefs as the church with capital C, it was written a long, long time ago, um, the last lines in it, oh, thank you, Johnny, say, we look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to the life in the world yet to come. So our vision that we are living towards, our talus, what we're looking at, 
and down our telescope into the future, our end goal is living in perfect union and communion with God forever and renewed heavens and earth. This is the great hope that we are living towards. So number two, your own desire. Relationship with Jesus ultimately has to be our own desire, doesn't it? It can't be desired for us by our friends, by our parents or other family members or our spouses. Relationship with Jesus is our decision. And there's a a quote from Reinhard Bronke that you may have heard. I don't think I have a slide for it, actually. God has no grandkids, only children. Have you heard that one before? Yeah, God has no grandchildren, only children. So we don't have relationship with God because of our connection with someone who's connected to God. God only has children. So Jesus absolutely wants us. He wants relationship with you. He went to the cross where he gave his life so that we could have everlasting life in relationship with him. Number three, nurture hope. Hope begets hope. Kamua Kamuri, a famous whakatoki I referred to a couple of weeks ago about looking back to to look forward. And so in this scripture that we've used this morning, it's one of Isaiah's prophecies. And the Israelites waited around 700 years for that prophecy to be fulfilled. And in that time of waiting, under oppression of multiple nations and powers, the Israelites would have had many questions. And we, I'm sure, ask, the same questions today in our own lives. Where are you, God? Don't you see my situation? Lord, please, when will you show up? Life throws all sorts of scenarios at us, and we need to nurture hope by holding on to and recalling our own stories and testimonies listening to other people's stories and testimonies. Um, If you journal, this is a great way to nurture hope. I am an on-again, off-again journaler, and I really enjoy flicking through my journal and seeing where God has broken through in my life, where prayers have been answered. It gives me great encouragement. And we can also look to hope in the many recounts in the Bible of people who lived and their stories are recorded in the scriptures of God's faithfulness. So nurture hope. And then my last point that I'm going to finish on is hope is a social gift. At Kurimako, we talk a lot about whanaungatanga, about doing things together, and this is what we're doing today. We've gathered, 
as we enter the season of Advent. And we are preparing as a community. We are waiting together. We are waiting for the coming of the King together. And as Chan Hellman said, hope does not happen in isolation within our own selves, but in relationship with others and with someone greater than ourselves. Ephesians 5.18 says to not be drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Spirit. And in the Greek, it more specifically means to be continually filled with the Spirit. So hang out with Jesus daily. And, and this might look like starting your day just in the quiet, in the presence of God, maybe with a cuppa, just enjoying God's presence. It may start with listening to uh, Lectio 365. Or maybe you enjoy just soaking in worship music as you're doing your daily jobs, or maybe as you're driving to your workplace. And then relationship with others, the people around us. We often talk about this as a, a whānau, don't we? It all comes in our value of whanaungatanga as well, that believing that doing life in community is the way God's given us to live out our faith. We need people in our lives to navigate life's highs and life's lows with us. We need people around us to encourage us when we're weary, to cheer us on when we're despondent, and sometimes call us out when we've been the eggs. And to be our cheerleaders cheering us on as we live towards the great hope, Jesus. So just as I finish, Jesus is the light that dispels all darkness. And he's conquered all sin and death. And he invites us to live in perfect harmony and union with him forever. Where there will be no pain, suffering or tears. Picture your most favorite day ever, times by 100 billion. And that might give you a little idea of what living in eternity with Jesus might look like. So just as I finish, why don't we stand? We're actually going to take communion now to finish with. And I'm going to play um, a song. And would you listen to the words of the song as you line up to get the elements? And then as you've got them and you come back to your seat, if you feel like you've lost a vision of hope in a situation in your life, why don't, as you sit down, why don't you just confess that to Jesus and ask him to come in and give you fresh vision? And then take the bread, take the juice, and celebrate the life and the hope that Jesus has for us. Or maybe you just want to invite Holy Spirit to refresh your talos, your vision for the future. As you take the bread and the juice, just celebrate the life that Jesus gives us. So let's move and get the elements now. I'll just ask Johnny to play the song. 
And you can do this conversation in your own heart with Jesus, or you can do it out loud with others if you want to as well. Got it.